0: Welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have an absolute legend making his first appearance on the podcast. We originally met up in Pai, a couple degenerates at that time, so we'll probably tell some stories about how that even happened. Um, even that story, I was like, did I meet you in Vietnam? Or He's like, no, it was Pai. Anyways, I'm, I'm an absolute degen. So, uh, let you know, who are we? Fruiting Body is a medicinal mushroom company located by that on the island of Uh, Phuket. We are doing stuff like Lion's Mind Raishi, only high quality extracts, none of that garbage stuff Uh, and definitely not selling you sugar waters. Um, We got timestamps so, you know, if I'm rambling too long, you can navigate, watch different chapters and easily be able to jump around in the podcast itself. Today, I think this podcast it's going to be a little bit about how we connected but more importantly, Tom he came to Thailand, he was training Muay Thai down in Chow Long he's now made the move up to Bangtao he's at Bangtao Muay Thai and MMA so we're going to talk a lot about like the difference is of training at different locations on the island and probably some funny stories of just living and uh, living and training in Thailand as well. Uh, it's going to be a very Thailand focused type of story. Um, and yeah, so without further ado, let's get this podcast started with Tom Usher. Um, okay, first, buddy, thanks for joining us. No worries. I don't know why it is. These intros are funny. It feels like you're on a radio show. <laughs> it takes about five minutes and then the radio voice disappears. Um so I guess like first for the audience, all seven of you watching yeah. on YouTube, uh, we we met we met in Pi. Did I meet you? Where did did I meet you? Driving there? No, I literally.
1: You? So I remember that that hostel. It was like a circus. Circus. Hostel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember like I was I was traveling with a guy called Johnny, and um, he was like a young dude, and I was like in I think I was about 26, 27, um, and I'd like I'd like um, quit. One kind of uh, career, I was working in sales, and then I quit that, and then I started being a journalist or a writer, and then I was basically thinking, fuck it, I'll just go traveling and work freelance abroad, so I had this big dusty laptop that I was carrying around, and I was just traveling around, and then basically we landed up in Chiang Mai together, uh, me and Johnny, and then we rented out some bikes, and we were just like, fuck it, let's just do the bike ride up to Pi, because... Um, we heard about the bus and the bus apparently is awful, like four hours of weaving and turning and apparently it just made everyone sick that was telling us about it. So we just thought let's just do the bike by ourselves, did the bike, um, came into pie and then I'd heard about the The circus, circus hostel. Did you stay there? Yeah. So uh, we stayed there. I think you, I might either have met you there or Mm. we might have either met like, at like a very, like a location, like a tourist location. Yeah, there's not a lot to do there anyway. Yeah, right? so yeah. there was some kind of beautiful like mountain range or some kind of like scenic thing that we met each other at. And I think that was it. I think we then, we had like one night out or something. I mean, to be honest, we I was-
0: went, did we go to the waterfalls?
1: Yeah, waterfalls, that was it. Yeah, yeah, waterfalls. The, the
0: one with the, like the launch? Yeah, and the, I think um, yeah.
1: a lot of that time was quite uh, a blur for me because yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. getting pissed a lot. But
0: um, yeah, I think any traveling, like when you're- not so much backpacking, but just like on the bikes, ripping around it. The whole yeah. trip becomes a blur and like, where did I meet you? What's yeah, because
1: I was, I was in, I, I, that was actually the second, I was out for about a year in Asia and the first time I came to Koh and I was training at Diamond Muay Thai, that was the first time I ever did Muay Thai. And then I kind of moved back around Southeast Asia and then I came back again. to. That was the same trip. Yeah, all in one year. I was just kind of working freelancing. So I had about I was out in Asia for about nine months, and um, yeah, then I finished up in Thailand again. And Pai was literally the last place I went before I kind of flew back out
0: to to back to London. Okay, so we'll jump back into your backstory. So if you can let people know, like, where are you originally from in the UK? Tell us a little bit. What was it like growing up there? What were you doing there? And what has drove you back to Thailand so many times? Um, well. Basically I was born in North
1: London uh, in Crouch End and then when my parents divorced around 10 years old I moved to a place called Suffolk which is like past Essex Um, so it's like further out east but it's like quite a rural remote countryside um, location and that's kind of where I spent most of my teen years just being wild and reckless in the middle of nowhere and then I kind of met a bunch of like local lads there and then... I actually had a really bad car crash because a lot of us would just be like pissed, um, smoking weed a lot. And then we'd be like driving kind of like on country lanes. where There's not enough police. And so we were going really fast down the country road. I was in the passenger seat. My mate was um, going about 80, 90 miles per hour down this tiny country road, And then uh, it sounds ridiculous, but like a duck flew up and across the windscreen, didn't hit the windscreen, just flew up across, just went like that. And my mate just freaked out and just like jolted the car, and I think the back wheels just locked, and then we were like swerving down this like muddy country road and then he hit into the hit into a tree on the passenger side, and it was like a tiny hatchback, so uh, i wasn 't wearing a seatbelt, and the door just literally broke off the hinges, and I just flew out the door um, and I kind of burnt like a lot of the skin off my back like you, you know when um James Bond, like he'll open the car door and he's the car chase and he'll like do a little roll out and he'll be fine. He'll like dust off his suit. If you actually do that in real life, if you're going any kind of speed at all, like the tarmac is just basically Well, you know what it's like if yeah, you yeah. crash a moped, it will literally literally tear your skin off. And so like that was, what that was like, but like times 10, because I was going so fast, it just tore all the skin off my back. I've still got like scars on my hands and stuff like that from where I like. How old were you then? I was 18. Okay. And then, so after that, I got some money from like the crash or whatever um from like insurance money or whatever and then that was the first time I was like my all my mates um from Suffolk were like let's go to Thailand and I was like I'd never been outside I think i had been to like Europe like once I'd never been anywhere on my own or anywhere like that wasn't a family holiday so I was just like fuck it let's just go on this lad's holiday and uh It was completely insane as you'd probably imagine. Lads on tour. Lads on tour, but it was like fucking (laughs) a bunch of like Suffolk lads that are like just used to like getting pissed in the pub and like having fights um, and smoking weed and driving and crashing their cars in like country fields. Suddenly going all the way out to Thailand. uh, I think it was even in uh, Songkran as well. So we were in Kopanyang. This is your first time? That was my first time. This is way before I met you. Yeah, yeah. This was when I was like 18. So this was like. Oh, wow. I don't even know how many years ago, I'm 36 now. So the
0: recovery from like, you, were you doing skin grafts? So
1: like? no, so the, they they didn't actually put any kind of, they didn't put anything on my back at all. For some reason the nurse was just like, don't just leave it open. So I had like an open, like f- like flesh wound all over my back. And then it, every time I'd go to sleep on a t-shirt, the t-shirt it would the skin would just stick to, t- and it would like peel off the skin every night. So then after a while, I went back to the hospital and was like, this can't be right, I can't, They'd be doing this, and they were like, "Oh my God, I'm sorry, we didn't like bandage you up, so then they put some proper bandages on me, and then yeah, I just had to kind of like recover. It was only about I think it was about like four months later than oh. I was in Thailand um so that was like the first time I had like a traumatic experience, and I kind of like went to Thailand as a way of like recovering and healing um and then, yeah, basically, I kind of uh carried on being in my twenties in London, um, just working like sales jobs. And then I kind of moved into like journalism. And then um, the second time, um, as I said, I, I uh, kind of was freelancing as a journalist and just thought, why the fuck should I be in like dusty England basically? I can be anywhere I need, anywhere I want to if I'm working remotely. So I just thought, fuck it, let's go around Asia. And then I, I went to Thailand twice on that trip. First time, as I said, was in Diamond Muay Thai in Koh Um, I just thought Copan Yang because that's where I'd been before and I felt comfortable and um, and the gym seemed quite cool so that was actually really good like um, it was kind of like it wasn't like the training wasn't like high grade but um, it was really like kind of friendly and there was lots of like I made like lots of friends there and it was kind of more of like a community vibe like all the guys would go out and they'd go to that uh, what's that place what the, the Eden? Eden, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd all go out to Eden on the Saturday together and so it was that kind of thing where it was like we work hard, play hard. Like no one, I think no one was even really fighting there. I think there was one guy who was training to fight. So it was but it was my introduction to Muay Thai. I'd never done any of that before. I'd been boxing for like a long time at that point, about six or seven years, but I'd never done Muay Thai. So was a it was a really cool introduction and then yeah, the second time uh, then I kinda came back around back up to Chiang Mai and that's when I met you basically.
0: Wow, oh, on the next, so, but there's, then there's got to be that gap of five, six years before this next trip.
1: Yeah. And then I came back to London and um, I kind of got into like a serious, a serious thing um, with a girl. And then w- w- when I broke up from that, that was my other traumatic yeah. car crash esque um, moment of my life where I was like, right, the only place I know that's like a, like a it's kind of like the place where I go to recover mentally and physically was Thailand. So then I've kind of thought, I really want. At that point, I was taking my martial arts a bit more seriously. Like I'd done some Muay Thai at my gym uh, in London called MMA Clinic. I'd been doing Muay Thai there a bit, and I was just like, I really want to push myself. And I'd put on quite a lot of weight, um, so I was just like, I just want to lose weight and train in like a in like a, at a high level. So I heard that Chalong mm-hmm. uh, and Phuket was the best. So you would have came. That was 2022 November.
0: And wh- when did I meet you? 18 2018.
1: No, no I'm seventeen. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's got to yeah. be seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, yeah, seventeen or eighteen. Something. So five, five years before five, that. And yeah. then, so
0: then, four or five years later, you come I came back. back out. Yeah, because I saw you come out because uh, i saw on your instagram but it's funny it's like you want to meet up with people here but what people don't understand is like Long is another world yeah, like, yeah it's yeah, so yeah. far <laughs> it's like it's a solid it's its own yeah. world as well it's, so its own how, universe. how did you decide to then come back and maybe maybe you can touch on at this point before were you working for vice how did you make that decision because you came out here and you were taking fights and like you yeah. were taking it very
1: seriously so like i when i i was I was working as a kind of i was i 'd moved from journalism to, into doing like copywriting and stuff, and then I was kind of like having a wrangle with my uh with my old work because i 'd basically like there was some kind of misunderstanding in terms of the remote work I thought I could remote work from anywhere but apparently it only meant anywhere in the u k so there was a bit of like a confusion there but um i wasn 't really thinking about that i was I was looking to leave that job anyway, but it kind of worked out um all, all good really but then yeah i I came back out in November, I, kind of, I lost a lot of weight in like the first month and I was just like, right, I don't really need to stay in England. Like there's nothing really like, key. I, I didn't have any like kind of like commitments or relationships to bring me back. So I was just like, why don't I come out and actually try and push myself? Um, so I was still kind of freelancing, journalism, doing stuff advice, stuff like that. But then I was just like, right, I'm going to come back out. Uh, go back to, top, to Phuket top team, which is um, who I was getting trained by in November and just kind
0: of push myself and see if I can have a fight. So and you then, completely just like, you quit the job completely. Yeah. So you, as and then a lot I was of just, people do. Yeah, they, yeah, they're saving up yeah. to come out to Chow Long. That That gap, like making the decision to leave the UK, come to Phuket top team. Like, yeah. did you kind of have to actively plan? I need to save X amount to be able to do this?
1: Nah, it was, it was more just like, I, because I was uh, I was making all right money from from copywriting because it's a bit more commercial than um, than journalism. Like journalism is kind of like when you're doing journalism stuff, it's more freelance journalism is more like month to month. Like you're literally living like invoice to invoice kind of thing. But with copywriting, it's usually like a solid like salary, and that was all good. And then basically, I had, um, all of those jobs stopped. I was still kind of, I still had about two months of pay left over for them to pay. So I was just like, let's just go to Thailand, focus on myself, do some real training for some like, actual fights. And that was it. And then um, obviously when I came back from that, it was uh, the harshest rally breakfast I've ever had in my whole life. After like,
0: coming, after leaving. After
1: leaving Thailand that time, but coming back to England, oh, I remember, I just remember I came back and it was like, raining and it was raining sideways and I just remember just being like oh, oh, oh god but yeah that, that that that's that that most recent time that's when I had a fight in Patong and I was really pushing myself like physically as much as I could um I think that was the time that I kind of really fell in love with like the Muay Thai training as an actual way of life and now after that I've obviously come back this year 2024 and i that's why I kind of thought about trying a new place because Phuket Top Team is shut down. But also, I've kind of got into MMA since, since then, and I know that Bang Tao is basically the best, ta- best place for wrestling and MMA, so that's why I've come here this time. What,
0: what was the objective? Like, when you first went to Top Team, was it, you know, just to kind of take a break? Were you looking to, hey, I want to take this sport seriously, or was it like, you know, let, let me go lose some weight? It was, I think it was
1: literally, it was when I first came out, Um, that first time coming to to, the top team, it was just to be like, I just need to lose weight. I just want to kind of get myself healthy, get myself fit again. I didn't realise how much, how quickly I I would lose the weight. How much did you end up shedding off? It was like, uh, I was 110 kgs when I came out and I ended up going back. uh, Well, I ended up having a fight when I came back in June um, the next year and I was 82 Shit. So it was like it was a lot. A lot of kil- a lot of kilograms basically. It was like I think basically almost um almost thirty. Um and that was just from three months of being out here and just training twice a day. When was
0: that? When were you here at Top Team? How long ago was that?
1: So was that two years ago? November 2022 to March 2023. Okay, okay, so a year and a half. Because I was yeah. wondering,
0: I'm like, I don't think it felt like that long ago. Nah, no, it wasn't it wasn't that
1: long ago. And then obviously I kinda spent a year training in England and then um yeah, just thought I'd come back out. because um, I just wanted to see different types of gyms and also different areas as well because Chelong is uh it's really full on down there. Like it's it's a lot of dude it's a lot of tourists, but it's a lot of fight tourism and also just like a lot of like um a lot of it feels quite like uh don't know how to say this, but it's it's tourist in a way where it's set up, it's ready made, it's like it's all got the luxury villas, it's got the luxury condos, but also there's like a lot of bars, there's a lot of like partying and stuff. And obviously there is the main strip which has all the gyms, but it feels like they're they're really not like they're tourist traps or anything, but because a lot of the really high level pros are fighting there. But they do kind of know how to churn you in, churn you out, kind of thing and they they, um, it's it's a business basically. It's a, it's,
0: a, it's like a little hamster wheel. Like. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They
1: bring you in and they they do certain things and then they kind of like. Um, and I think the whole kind of that whole area is really focused towards that. Whereas, Bang Tao obviously is a, um, it's a really high grade gym, but um, the area feels a bit more relaxed and it doesn't feel as like intense. Were um, you stuck kind of on the soy like a lot of people that go down there that you never never end up leaving? That's that's what I'm saying. Is in I, my hotel was just around the corner. And I basically went from the hotel to the gym and then I'd eat somewhere on the soy. Then I'd go back to the hotel. Then I'd come back out for the second training of the day, eat again somewhere on the soy. And so how, how often would you go to the beach? I mean, I mean, I basically go to the beach like once a week um, on a Saturday or Sunday yeah, when like, I had some time off. And
0: anyone watch, and that's the point of this podcast. So as it gets shared, it's like so people can understand the difference between the north and the south. Yeah. And I'll let you explain it. So why don't you go to the beach? Well, because it's it's quite far away. I mean,
1: the, yeah. the there's Rawai Beach, which isn't that nice, and then Chalong Beach, which isn't really a beach at all. And then the nearest kind of places, you've got to go all the way around the kind of... Uh, yeah, so the nearest <laughs> place is going to go... You've got to go past Rawai down that bit, um, which takes about 20, 30 minutes, really. And, so, and also, there's a lot more, like, police around there. Um, not that I've got any problem with the police, but, um, <laughs> like, I've, there's just a lot more... Uh, it just feels a lot more kind of like... It just feels a lot more like re- yeah. less less relaxed. Like here, I, I go training and then the beach is literally
0: just right there. Yeah, you're saying every time or many times you go to the beach and the cops would, you know, hit you up? Yeah,
1: I mean, obviously you can just spot me from a mile away when I'm riding a moped or whatever. So they'll just be like, we've we've actually... Me and my friends actually already got pulled over because we like made a wrong traffic turn. But like in Patong, they find us like in Patong, I remember um, I parked in like the wrong area because I was really hungover and tried to get a Burger King. So I tried to get a Burger King and put my bike in, the, <laughs> just in like It just seemed like there was loads of other bikes there, but then this one area was like, and then I came out of the Burger King and the, the, guy, the police guy was literally chaining my bike as I came out. And as soon as I turned around, there was a taxi guy being like, hey, I'm going to take you to the police station. So it was all of a process. They all know what to do. But yeah, um, there's a lot less police around here. Not that there's like, any problem with police or anything, but like- worry, all- oh, the police, they don't care. Okay, good. Cool. No one's watching. But yeah, I feel like basically the, with tourists, they know how to pinch you. Like, every time you go into Patong, they'll be there waiting to like pull you over. Every time you're leaving, they'll be there waiting to pull you over. Anytime there's any kind of like- you know, even on and stuff like that, there was a lot of police there. So they're ready for you, basically. And they, they obviously just want a fine or whatever, which is fine, uh, like a couple of thousand baht or whatever. But it just feels like up here, you get a lot less of that. And there's a lot less tension, really, in the air. It feels like the tourists aren't as like... Because that soy is so well-renowned for, like, fighting. I feel like a lot of the dudes there are like, uh, I'm, like, ready to fight. And it's like, especially in the bars and stuff, I remember going down to some of the bars in Rawai. There's a lot of big tattoo dudes who are like looking like do you know what I mean it's that looks like a very tense kind of area it's not like relaxed like it's not like oh everyone's just having a few beers and it's all chilled it feels like one wrong move and everything could kick off
0: Well you you know living in Thailand uh testosterone's pretty much readily available yeah. so
1: and there was just uh the pharmacies just selling Steroids,
0: yeah, and everyone's
1: just hench, and everyone's got those spots on their back, and everyone's—it's yeah. really mad how. Uh, so everyone's
0: at the bar, all hopped up on nose beers yeah. and roids, <laughs> and and they're training, fighting. Yeah, so like so, one wrong move, and hey, and and, you're, and, and they and they know that maybe their skill could be better than the average person's. They get a free sparring session. No, a
1: hundred percent. Like there's some scary dudes. I mean, there's scary dudes everywhere in Phuket. Like I would never ever want to get a fight in the street because even some tiny thai guy would probably cut you in half so it's like it doesn't really matter who you fight with anyone's going to be a danger potentially in this whole island i think but
0: <laughs> for sure and, uh, if, and if there's some fat old guy they definitely know someone that has a lot of money yeah
1: there's some there's yeah. other ways you're going to get beaten up yeah. but um yeah.
0: thailand's a place you don't uh, you just kind of mind your business here and, and 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 that's what's great about this area so you've you've made the switch from uh, up to bangtao how did you find out about bangtao muay thai and mma initially So,
1: um, my mate Dan, who uh, used to uh, run a tattoo place um, on the soy, I got a lot of tattoos there last time I came here. And then me and him just became really good mates. And uh, after I'd had my fight with Top Team, I actually got in a really bad, uh, I had a really bad moped crash that night, literally that night. Like, I wasn't even drunk. I was just really charged up because I'd won this fight. I'd knocked him out in the second round and I was, like, really buzzing. I think I'd had like one singer at the, one singer after the fight just in the stadium. I was just like, cause I was the last fight on. So it was about midnight when it finished and all the trainers were like, we got to go, we got to go, it's time to go. Um, like they weren't waiting around to be like, congrats. They were like, oh, well done. Then it was like, let's get the fuck out of here. So I had like one singer from the bar and then I went back to uh, where my bike was in Chelong at the gym. And then I was just with, my, um, with my, uh, another mate of mine and we just kind of went to another bar and then I didn't even drink. I was just like, I'm just going to head back. But I was just so charged from like, just had that natural buzz from winning that I was going like way too fast. And I think there just must've been something on the road, like a slick or something. And I just, the bike came out from under me and I just, I just luckily I didn't hit the wall because the bike just crashed straight into the wall. going. We were, I was going really fast. How like, fast did you go? I mean it was like about a hundred hundred kilometers. You think you're going a hundred? It was Fuck. that's I remember it being on the on the on the speedometer, it was basically as fast as it could go. Yeah. Like it wasn't like I couldn't have pushed it any further because I really was just like, yeah, I've just was rushing so much. And then I luckily just slipped off the bike before it hit the wall and just cracked my ribs um on the concrete. It didn't really graze anything. It was just literally like a crack as I landed. And um, for those, so for two weeks after that, I didn't train, I was just in bed. I felt like, I mean, I couldn't even breathe uh, for a long time. Broken and ribs or? I don't even know, I didn't even get it checked. I mean, I'm typical man. I was just like, I'm not gonna bother with that. It hurts a little bit and I'll just probably figure itself out in a bit. So then I had a, I had a seminar with Nongo in two weeks time in actually up in Crabby and my mates were up there. So I was like, I've got to make this seminar with Nongo because he's obviously a legend. And I went up there, even though my ribs were like, basically like in agony, I just had to go there. Um, So I went up there and then when I came back, basically Daniel was telling me, there's those other gyms we should try out. You shouldn't just stay with top team. So then we tried out AKA, we tried out Sinbi and they were all really amazing as well. But then he said, look, I think there's this one called Bang Tao. it's recently opened. It's like meant to be amazing. Um, And so he kind of put it in my head that Bang Tao was this really amazing gym. And because I'd never tried it, I was just like right. I just want to try this new area, new place, because I, I didn't want to stay in Chalong again. Like, I did really like my time there, but I just um, I I wanted it to be a bit more relaxed than it was um, the last time I was here. So, yeah, Bang Tao just kind of ticked all the boxes, and and also just the reputation it has now. I think internationally, in terms of its MMA and wrestling. Uh, I mean, everyone there is a fucking killer. Basically, like when I'm in England, like I'm 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 never you know I've just started kind of MMA and jiu-jitsu really only last year in march so i'm not like an expert at all but like um i'm always kind of i can kind of handle um, handle myself whenever i'm sparring with people like i never get like absolutely battered but when i've been training up here like everyone's just yeah, a lot of dagestanis
0: up here yeah i mean
1: (laughs) everyone's just fucking with me everyone's just taking the piss and that's kind of good because in a way i I am i am learning so much but um
0: yeah so you had that gap though you you you're going back home you're kind of you know pissing in the wind here yeah uh, it's about a year and a half gap. What are you thinking when you get home? How quick, are you just immediately thinking, how fast can I get back there?
1: My 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 thought process was basically, well, and it still is, I'm just going to try and do this every year. Because basically the, the yearly kind of cycle with England is that January and February are just the most horrible, bleak years, months of the year, where there's nothing to look forward to. Um, everyone's just had a really like, Big blowout with christmas and new year everyone's depressed it's the coldest time of the year as well like um nothing good is going on and the only thing you've really got to look forward to is the idea that it could be spring and summer at some point but um that's quite a while away like in you know first of january you're looking at like what like may before it starts getting even relatively nice and that's not even guaranteed then so um, it's a pretty bleak time and uh, most people are most people I know usually look to try and like get out of the country at that point in some way like most people go to Tha- uh, most people go to Thailand a lot of people go to Mexico a lot of people kind of try and get out in that time because it really is the most bleak time so that's why I've now kind of tried to um
0: get out every year every
1: year by hook or crook basically just get myself out of the, um, the country in january because i know that if i I mean it's going to be bad in february but at least i've had this time to so like you have
0: to go back and then you're gonna you're gonna be here for a couple months almost
1: yeah i'm here for a month um oh, month. and then yeah i'm going back in february I, i've basically been like unemployed all last year mm-hmm. so it's been really tough uh, money wise but i've just started doing pt um, some personal training stuff towards the end of why, the last Why not year? just
0: move out here, maybe get a job at a gym, do some PT stuff and See, take it slowly?
1: That's the thing I've been thinking about doing that. but <laughs> It's like when I, at the, le- the levels I get, I, I get trained out here and like I'm just some, any guy out here, I'm just like an average guy. When I go to Bang Tao, for example, I'm like, you know, one of them like just very much a middle uh, middle of the road guy out here. But then obviously when I take those skills that I learned from here or from Top Team or Simbi or wherever it was, and I take them back home, then those skills obviously compared to loads of beginners or people that might not have done it at all, they're suddenly really valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a personal trainer, the stuff I learn out here really kind of uh, makes me, it makes me a lot more of like a, a proposition to like teach people back home, whereas out here, I'm a student. Like I'm on a student level out here. The people out here are so high grade in terms of how much their their training and their experience and their and their knowledge that I feel like if I came out here, I'd feel like not like a a bit of like a imposter syndrome. Like what could I really teach anyone out here that isn't already going to get taught way better by like the Hickman Bros or mm. or you know like Arjun Watt or some or some of these amazing coaches that you can get in every single gym. So I had I did think about that and some of my mates were like, why don't you just do this out in Thailand? But I just think like. I come out here to learn I come out here to learn from the best that's that's why I come out here and like I feel like um I would need to get a lot more experience and a lot more kind of like knowledge in me before i'd feel comfortable teaching anyone out here and then
0: you bring that back to your what's your gym back in the u k you're bringing this knowledge back and then doing p t s yeah
1: so i do p t s just like on a on a uh, I haven't really started yet, but I've, I've kind of just about started kind of doing PTs for my friends and stuff like that at the moment. So it's just getting going, but it's just general fitness, uh, like weights, uh, cardio, stuff like that. Obviously I do a lot of boxing pads and I do a lot of, um, Muay Thai stuff as
0: well. Cause that's the background that I've got. Um, do you have any plans? Like, could you ever see yourself permanently living here? Even if it's not like in a profession of training, yeah. I mean, I've,
1: that's that's what I've been thinking about for a long time. Is how the fuck am I going to get out of here? How am I going to be able to live here? Like, as I was saying, I was doing a lot of remote writing, um, and I think there's just there's just a lot less less that round now. Like the there used to be tons and tons and tons of remote work that would just be um like part-time copywriting work for like two months here, three months here, and it'd be really well paid and it'd be like quite easy to get. But I think the UK is just not really admitting to itself that it's in a bit of a recession or not even in a bit, like in a big recession.
0: You're and seeing these copywriting jobs, journalist jobs, yeah. freelance jobs diminish.
1: Yeah. I mean I've 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 been applying, I mean, last year was just basically everything fell through the floor. And it felt like there was just hundreds of people in my similar pos- in my same position where all these kind of like freelance creatives or not even just writers, but like designers, graphic designers, all types of people, market- marketers, all this kind of stuff. No one was getting work. And I think after a while, you kind of realise that it's not that um, it's, it's just that no one's got any money. No one's got that extra money just for everyone trying to find out, th- figure out things in-house or everyone's trying to figure out. So yeah, I think um, that kind of market or that kind of way that I was living before where it was quite easy to live remote and do like that digital nomad thing, even though I hate being a digital nomad. Mm. But that kind of lifestyle, I think, is a lot harder to do these days. But could
0: you do it from here? Because my understanding is like, if you're living in the UK and you're a digital nomad or doing copywriting, you have to charge so much per hour because it's just, otherwise how the hell are you going to survive? Yeah, yeah. Um, Compared to... A carbon copy of yourself living in thailand or bali doing freelance work now you can charge less per hour because the cost of living yeah and then you're competing against all those people
1: yeah i mean yeah that could be yeah that that could be an option it's definitely something i've been thinking about i mean every time i come out here i'm thinking why am i going to go back why am i going back yeah. it's just one of those things that, but i it, i don't know there's always this weird thing about england where it seems to draw you back in a way where it's oh but you you have to be here and I just keep on thinking why I think as you get older um I just keep on thinking why do I have to be here but then there's something about it that always kind of draws you back Uh, but as as I've got older I've really started to question kind of like the lifestyle I mean the quality of life in England right now is, is bad it is really really bad and yeah when you come abroad you start to really realize that um like what am I doing this for like what what's the kind of um is it a professional thing? Is it like a career thing? Is it like, I don't know. It feels like obviously all my friends and family there, but I could always come back to see them or they could come out here. It just feels like there's a real kind of, I think that a lot of people are starting to realize there's a real shift. Yeah. Shift mentally where people are starting to think, do I actually need to be constantly suffering like this uh, anymore? I can just do this somewhere else and not be suffering as much. Basically.
0: What's the cost of living? Like, for example, you're coming out to Thailand, you set a budget per month, just let's say on food. Yeah. What would that budget have to be in the UK to kind of have the same level?
1: Uh, I mean, basically you could live comfortably, you could live more than comfortably out here on like a grand, a, a grand English money a month, like easily. It would be totally fine. And that would be you Probably training in Bangkok, you know, which is like quite an expensive gym and like having a moped and like getting an all right place. And then the food on top and you'd probably still be eating out every meal, if not or every, um, if not all, most meals or you'd be, you know, having a really good life on about a grand, maybe a bit more than a grand. But in England, like a grand basically, that would be like, well, most of that would just go on your rent. So after that, you'd literally have nothing to live off. And then you would be like your, your mobile phone would like take that out and then your gym. And then after that, you'd have about 10 pounds. So is, is the
0: food cost similar? To, Cause I, I'm no, so no, disconnected no. from the real world. When people ask me, <laughs> no, like it's crazy. Every no. time I go back home, I just feel everything gets softer. Yeah. And like, I get kicked out by the end. I'm just my, I get kicked out. They're yeah. like, I can't, I talk a certain way. <laughs> like I'm definitely not in the right place. But when, when you're there, like, if you got, I don't know, for the week, uh, like, uh, say, 200 pounds. Yeah. What is 200 pounds in groceries going to get you in England compared to maybe Thailand? 200 pounds
1: is still quite a lot. Like, 200 pounds is, like, that would that should be, like, at least half a month, if not, like, you know, you, you could easily make that last a whole month, really, if you were, like, shopping in the right supermarkets. In the UK. In the UK. Mm-hmm. Like, you can shop. You can still shop frugally, and it still work. Like, I don't think that's a problem at all I just think that it's again it's the it's the quality of life where 200 pounds here you'd be eating out every meal like all the food would be you know freshly made freshly prepared and it'd all be like in amazing um even just like kind of the the small restaurants on the side of the road or something just the quality of food is just so much nicer everything's just there just feels that there's a lot less processed food like everything like that so um, you're it, saving so much time on
0: cooking and cleaning and I yeah. mean, do, you, do you use the laundry guys here And uh,
1: I just have one I've just got one in my hotel mm. so I always just use those guys but um, I kind of have to do it um, you have to like dry it I just hanged it all out on my um, outside my hotel uh, room because it's just dry so quickly in the heat but yeah I mean as I said it's, it's one of those things where um, yeah, when I'm, you're when you're when you're in I don't know when you're basically an immigrant if I was going to be an immigrant into Thailand or an expat, I guess, but it is still just, you're an immigrant. But like, if I was going to be like an immigrant here, um, the, it's just the quality of life would just be so much better. But obviously there's always going to be drawbacks. There's always going to be like pros and cons. But I feel like it's, it's been such a grueling couple of years in England where you can really noticeably see food prices going up and quality of life going down. Like the waiting queues for like um, medical care and um, just like, the councils, the services are getting cut, basically, and you're pa- still paying so much tax. Everyone really is starting to really wonder, like, why am I still paying so much tax? Why am I starting to go? And that's a bad place to be for a country when, you know, young people are starting to really question why they're even there. Um,
0: but well, it's yeah. a question of a little bit of hot potato back home. Like, who's going to be the last one still in these ridiculous countries? Yeah. <laughs> are you just going to be holding the, the, the bag that's gone to zero? I mean, yeah. Do, when you first came to Thailand and I'm sure certain palates of the UK, maybe they can, um, would they, they would struggle with the food. I mean, Thailand food, the simple stuff, obviously your spring rolls, your, your pad Thai as every time you come back, does your palate become more defined? Um, Like you, do you go off the menu and try a little bit more spicy stuff, more stuff that, you know, is not typical.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love spicy food. I think it's, it's a weird thing uh, with British culture where I think a lot of people outside of Britain like to take the piss out of British people for, you know, having, liking really bland food. Cause obviously we're known for things like fish and chips and like roast dinners, which is typically bland, stodgy food. But um, British people love spicy food. Like there's this whole kind of bravado, this male bravado that a lot of dudes that look like me in Britain, like big, beefy kind of like bold guys in Britain they will try the hottest curry on every single menu they go to every everywhere they go there'll be this whole thing where it's like oh I'm gonna get the fucking hottest curry I can to like prove yourself and even if you're sitting there sweating it out as you're eating you're still like yeah I've I've got the hottest curry I'm like really hard kind of thing so British guys like um British people really love spicy food so whenever I come out here I always ask them to make it spicy
0: whatever it is like um, how many, are, have you had the somtums here, like the papaya salads? Yeah. How, I mean, many, how many chilies are you tossing in that?
1: Uh, I mean, I like just eating chilies. I know I don't <laughs> want to like try and. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, I don't want to say how you know I'm not trying to be like a, a hard man, but I love I love chilies. I love spicy food. So um, whenever I'm out, out, like uh, ordering a panang curry or a Massaman or whatever, I'm always asking them make it spicy, make it chili kind of thing. And yeah, it's it's funny just because um, it's just the. It's that kind of westernification, uh, the westernization, or mm. the western westernization of things like Chinese takeaways, for example. You kind of get a similar thing in the UK with Thai food, like the Thai food out here. Obviously, it just doesn't taste anything
0: like what the Thai food is. Well, it's the ingredients and yeah, just and sits. how freshly yeah. it's
1: prepared and everything like that. It just there's nothing that you can really get. The only restaurant that's kind of really similar to um, what I would get out here is a place called Singbury. It's like this kind of really trendy place in london um and that's the only time i've had like a thai th- any kind of thai food in england that's been anywhere remotely in terms of the flavors yeah, and like the spice and
0: it's the basil it's it's every little ingredient i yeah. mean unless you're naturally getting it here fresh i think that's what's making it diff- the, the big big difference yeah. for like your parents generation i mean obviously indian immigrants have really i mean Indian cuisine is, I think, if not number one in all of the UK. Yeah. But for your parents' generation, as that was just being introduced, do they, is there a palate differentiation there? Because, like, my parents' generation, like, my dad, he won't, they won't eat it.
1: Yeah. Like. I mean, my mom doesn't like spicy food. Like, I, I haven't spoken to my dad for a long time, so I don't really know what he's saying. But, like, my mom, um, my mom definitely doesn't like spicy food in the same way that I do. Um, I've just got, like, one of, um, my best friend Max, like, me and him had a thing where we were, that kind of typical lad vibe where we would just love eating spicy food together. So we've always had a thing where, since we were really young, like how 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 many chilies can we have on our, on our pizza or how spicy can we get this curry basically? And we've always kind of tried to outdo each other. Always We always used to try and outdo each other with how spicy we can eat our food. But yeah, I definitely think it's, I wouldn't say it's a recent thing because that, I mean, it must've been going around since, that must've been happening since like the 60s, 70s. Um, in terms of how popular curries have been in the u k not that i'm i'm not really an expert on the kind of history of it, but um yeah, I think that a lot of british dudes have got a it, it, british Britain as a country has got a weird reputation of having bland food when I think really we we've probably got one of the most kind of like vibrant um kind of uh, melting pots of, of different cultures and, and, and foods really
0: anywhere that I've seen. Yeah, similar in Canada as well. I mean, you get so many different types of immigrants coming, therefore yeah. you have so many o- options. But it's usually from the bigger cities like Toronto and whatnot. Yeah. When you first came out, well, not first came out to Thailand, but let's say the last time you are out here, and even the time before, well, and even now, mm-hmm. when you were doing journalism, were you doing any, like, Thailand pieces of journalism?
1: Yeah, the last time, the last... Uh, the last article One of the last articles I did Or one of the only kind of articles I did last year Because I, I, I do still I do still write quite a lot um, But it would probably Now in terms of journalism I write about four or five articles a year But the, one of the ones I did when I came back um was about training in Thailand and was about like the guys you the kind of guys you meet and um the kind of atmosphere it uh, it, cr- it creates and the kind of like stuff it does for your mental health and stuff it does for your physical health so yeah that was like a big inspiration actually um for me in terms of that last trip because what i noticed in the gyms especially with um the british guys but also a lot of the western guys a lot of the dudes were basically kind of i mean I, I was too like i was coming out at the end of like a really bad relationship um in terms of like you know it was like obviously like it was a really long thing so um it was like a big thing to get over so i was coming out at the end of that and i was using thailand as a form of escapism and I, I i kind of it's it's i don't know if it's like you know a good or a bad thing but i've always kind of used this as a kind of my my peaceful place to come as a, as a way of escaping from like whatever traumatic thing was happening in England or whatever traumatic thing had happened, like whether it was a car crash or the end of a relationship or me being unemployed for a long time. Like I've always tried to use this as my happy place to escape from that. And I realised a lot of the guys in the gym um, were doing similar. Like there was guys who were going to NA out here. There was guys who were like, had trouble with police. There was like guys who were like trying to stop drinking. There was a lot of guys I'd noticed from different gyms that i had been in when you start chatting to them, we start realising that actually they're just using this as a form of escapism as well. And it's kind of like that Lord of the Flies type thing where um, it ends up becoming this kind of like weird kind of collection of lost boys all just kicking the shit out of each other in these gyms and getting the shit kicked out of them by like, you know, the Thai trainers and everyone out here. But then they're using that to... um, kind of like they're kind of using that to forge a better version of themselves and to improve whatever mental health uh, issues they have and to improve themselves physically, which in turn obviously ends up, you know, helping their mental health. And I feel like that's, that's how I see Thailand as well. It's like a place where I start to, even though it sounds a bit like wet or whatever, but it's a place that I heal myself like mentally and physically. And that's why I love having a discipline. Like I love going to the gym. I don't want to just come here and party because that's when I lose myself even more. Like I come here to to train myself and to, to, to get myself better and to, uh, to make myself physically feel better and more disciplined. And I think that's what helps you mentally as well. Like if you ever, I've noticed a lot of the guys come out here, you see them at first, they're struggling, but then after a while they you get into a routine, you get into a discipline and then you start seeing how that really strengthens you as a person. Um, And I think there's nowhere really else in the world that kind of, that does that as well as as kind of like Phuket really, or or just Thailand generally.
0: Do do you find that it's a temporary band-aid? So by the time you get back, eventually those underlying issues (laughs) come back to the surface or is it a cure? Well, it's weird. I mean, uh, I mean, yeah,
1: I did still, (laughs) I remember when I came back to England after I'd, I'd spent, Basically, in total, about three months out here. So when I came back to England at the end of last year, at the start of last year, around March, I was just like, "Fucking hell, man!" Like all the problems that I thought I'd kind of dealt with were just kind of back. The switch just turned back on again. But then I started to think about, you know, actually, that's not really the case because physically I'm way fitter. I've lost a ton of weight. I feel mentally a lot clearer um even if now obviously the plush, the problems do start like rushing back up at you um as um as soon as you you know touch down in england you can smell the bad vibes in the air but um i feel like then you realize all the good that that time away has done on all that all the good that you've been you know grafting on um all that time you've been spending working on yourself has actually done for you and that ended up lasting like physically i've i've not really let that go since the last time i came here um since the last time I was training in, in a top team, like that kind of sense of discipline, that kind of sense of training twice a day, that kind of sense of mentally being a lot more focused on my training and on myself that hasn't left me this whole year. So even everything else has gone to shit and it has gone to shit quite badly. I mean, England's just going to shit generally, but like even if everything else has, has fallen apart, that has always kept, kept me strong and kept me going. So I feel like, yeah, in a way it is a bit of a band bandaid because um, you know, you, like, working on yourself is a constant process. But I feel like um, there's things that you can take away from it that end up staying with you for a long time. And, um, yeah.
0: Are you, I mean, like, a, as a, a, an analogy from a fighter, when a fighter takes on a fight, they're focused on the fight. Yeah. Um, you're focused on the moment. You're here in Thailand. Are you yeah. already thinking before you've left how to come back?
1: Yeah. I mean, every time, uh, all the time, even when I was leaving last year, I was just thinking, well, all I've got to do is just make sure I find a remote job, or all I've got to do is just make uh, sure I find some kind of job that I can save enough money to come back. Like every time, like when I'm out here, I there is often I get like pangs of thinking, oh God, um, what's going to happen when I get back, but as you were saying, living in the moment, like there's something about being out here that you it's a lot easier just to think, what am I doing on a day-to-day basis? What am I doing right now? Because most of the time you're training. You wake up in the morning, 8 a.m. is Muay Thai for like an hour and a half. And then after that is Jiu-Jitsu. And then you have breakfast and then you go home and you like read a bit and then you come back out and then the evening's like wrestling or Muay Thai. So it's just like, everything is just, you're really, really, there's not a lot of time to be thinking about the good and the bad things that are waiting for you back there. But yeah, every time I every time I leave my brain is definitely thinking how am I going to get back out here? This it's it's one of those things where I think I've been really, really, really privileged to be able to come out here as much as I have in my whole life, but especially in the last couple of years, because, um, I was doing quite well with work and stuff, but I feel like the downturn that's happened recently economically in the country and also just personally, like I've had a, I've definitely been struggling the last couple of years. So this, um, um, this time, really felt like almost like my last hurrah where I was a bit like, oh fuck it, I'll just like I, the last of my money I'll use on coming out here because I just I really needed some kind of like reprieve from from the bad times I've been having. And but even then, even now I'm still thinking, yeah, but things are going to get better. Like I will be able to have a time where I can come back out here again. So yeah. Um there's no way I this could be the last time. I'd I'd want to make it a yearly thing, but obviously you have to kind of figure out how that's going to happen really
0: well by the sounds of it every time the gap between you you leave and come back is shortening yeah yeah <laughs> so it's sounding like eventually that I'll you, just, that plane you might just not
1: catch it yeah I'll just I'll, i mean I, I i don't even know what it's like with with visas and stuff like that but i i have definitely been looking into it a lot more um recently because uh as i said it i th- I think when you're younger you really there's a real sense of um when you're kind of living for the weekend or. You're living in London, and um, it can feel like London can feel like almost like you're eternally young, you're eternally mid 20s. Like there's something about London the way there's always a party to go to, there's always an afters to go to, there's always a pub to drink at, um, there's always like a new place to try out, new food, new restaurants. So you get stuck in this cycle basically from like your early 20s all the way to, you know, and you don't ever really realize that actually suddenly I'm like in my mid thirties and I'm like, what the fuck am I still doing? The same things every weekend, still going to the same clubs, still drinking in the same pub, still doing the same thing. And you really, you start to be like, is this actually what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life? Like, and really most people will just carry on doing that until either they have kids or something else dramatic changes in their life. And I feel like that's what like kind of that you get this, uh, like a London brain where you feel like you're gonna be young forever. And I feel like that's what a lot of people now have got into the um, starting to have this kind of dramatic realisation where I'm not actually going to be young forever. And what do I really want um, out of my life personally for me? And that's why I think there's so many people that are starting to think, actually, do I want to stay here or do I want to try somewhere else to live? Or what do I really want for me personally? And I think, yeah, it's, it's getting it's starting to hit home a lot harder for a lot more people that I know. I think it happens
0: around 35 because you're like, fuck, I'm going to be 40 in (laughs) five years. Yeah. And then you think, (laughs) well, (laughs) if I'm 40 in five years, I'm 50 in 10. Uh, Yeah. So I think 35, I think, uh, you know, is let's say the new 25 or whatever. Yeah. 20 years ago. That's basically it. For yourself personally, what do you want? What is your vision? Uh, I mean, I was,
1: I I was, I was quite happy, uh, being like a, I was quite happy doing, uh, being a journalist, I was quite happy writing my articles. They were just kind of stupid, silly articles of Vice where I'd just go and do like wacky things and then write about them and stuff like that. But then obviously kind of Vice have collapsed a bit now and um, I don't think that option's really there anymore. And I don't really see myself as a as a journalist anyway. Like, um, I, you know, I wasn't a great journalist. I'm not like a good fact finder. I don't like do like good research or anything like that. I, I do like writing like stupid things, but um, that's basically it. I feel like I, you know, I'd like to try and write a book. Maybe I'd like to try and. I mean, right now I'm 36. I want to try and have as many fights as I possibly can before one of my knees pops um, or some kind of high, like some kind of horrible injury happens um, that retires me. Uh, so I'd like to do that for the next couple of years at least. And then yeah, I mean, I'd I'd want to I'd want to write something that was a bit more a um, bit more serious, a bit more of like an actual like a book project I I am trying to write like a book proposal at the moment um but um it's it's taking a long time because it is quite a big like hefty that's a it's a big hefty like proposal it's about 30 40 pages you've got to write so it takes a long time but yeah that's the kind of thing I want to be doing I mean um ultimately though really all those those are all kind of like pipe dreams or kind of ambitions I think ultimately really I just want to have enough money to like be okay and support myself. And if I, if there's people that are close to me that I love, then I want to be able to support them as well. And whether that's here or back home or wherever that is, I think that um, when you've, when you've kind of looked at when things start going really bad, I think that's when you start being like, you stop having these kind of big, grand ambitions and you start to be like what do I actually want and like most of the time last year when I was in London was like I just want to make enough money to be able to go out to a nice dinner for like once a month and then be able to like support myself financially for the rest of the month and not have to worry and that'd be it like that's all I really want I don't really care about anything else like your ambitions get smaller and smaller and smaller and more narrow and narrow and narrow because things are so shit and you start to realise how lucky you even are to be in the situation you are in let alone you know um, the situation that's that 's a lot worse than that, so
0: and the majority of people in the u k they are facing the situation
1: yeah that 's the thing is that the middle classes are getting more and more squeezed so i 'm very middle class i 've always been like a middle class person, but um it, it, even like um even the middle classes now are getting so squeezed that really unless there was some stat the other day where it was like unless you 're on a e k a e k in London, then you 're not able to live comfortably and i was just thinking that's that's fucking insane unless you basically earn in the not point like 1% of earners in the uk then you can't live comfortably in the capital city and it's like that's i mean that's pretty much how it feels right now and then um which is, is i don't know, you know how realistic that stat is or what it's based on but that's how it feels and that's why people are really starting to kind of quite frantically look elsewhere in different countries or wherever that may be to, to try and figure out a way of kind of escaping that because when you've got to basically be a part of the kind of like the, the 1% to even live a comfortable, uh, have a comfortable way of living, then that feels like something's gone horribly wrong there basically.
0: Yeah, I, I think this narrative is quite spread globally. Yeah, well you hear right a lot now, of people, definitely. you know... Um, whether they're struggling in terms of rent, whether it's food, whether it's just yeah. you know trying to just you know make ends meet, yeah, um, it's it's definitely uh, qu- very difficult, especially with inflation back home as well. Yeah, and well, at least you don't have you know a wife or kids that you know about. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. maybe that's something else to answer for. Um, ha- have you ever considered chasing this fitness? Um, I don't want to say escape, but this fitness journey, this fitness, you know, to to be able to leave London in that sense, going to other places like. Uh, Mexico. I know there's excellent Muay Thai down at uh, I think it's Tulum Muay Thai. Yeah. And I, uh, Eddie Farrell was up here at Powerhouse. He brought his whole team out to Tulum. And actually, I just saw that recently they moved and Revolution over here. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy Magnus Anderson, which was also in one championship. Now they've opened up Revolution in Mexico and Tulum. Have you ever thought about maybe making a, a trip out there? I I've definitely
1: thought about Cuba. Um, for the boxing for the boxing because my mate um, my mate Dresden was actually just out there um, and she was saying that it's like unreal like she's uh, she's been boxing for a couple of years now I think she she kind of recently got into it and um, she was telling me because she uh, um, was living in Colombia for quite a long time so I think she She's quite fluent in Spanish um, and she basically just went out there before she went back to Colombia for a bit and she was saying that it's absolutely unreal and that the level there is like next level. Obviously, Cuban boxers are kind of globally known as, as the best at the best, um, olympically. Um, but yeah, that's always been a dream of mine to go over to Cuba because um, I am kind of like a boxer. I've been boxing. That Boxing's been the thing that I've I've done the longest. I've been boxing for about 15 years now. Um, so that's the that's the combat sport that I was doing way before Muay Thai. I only started doing Muay Thai really I think the first time I ever tried it was when I was like twenty eight, twenty-nine. Um, so yeah, boxing's definitely the thing that I that I kind of wanted to explore the most. And I think Cuba, uh, it just looks amazing. And the level is just so high. They have a whole different style that nowhere else in the world has. It's just um a whole different uh style of footwork, a whole different style of uh of movement that that not many other countries have. So that's definitely one place I'd, I'd think about. Um, and I don't know. I've, I've been to Mexico before for like a... I went for a month. I just went traveling around there. But I was just doing um, some journalism out there. I was covering like a, a a party that was out in Tulum actually. But yeah, it's, it's a beautiful country. I'd love to do some boxing there as well because obviously Mexican boxing is another country that's like amazing right. for boxing. But yeah, I just don't know. I think in terms of... How everything's already kind of set up. Thailand's definitely the one where it feels like everything's already right there for you. you. Just got to fit yourself in. um I'd love to be able to be experienced enough, or or kind of have the 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 right kind of level of knowledge that I believe in myself that I could pass on to people that the kind of people that are you know are in this um, who are who are training at this level. Um, Maybe I will one day, you know, maybe, I, you know, if I start, if I keep on pushing myself constantly for the next four or five years, maybe I will have the level of training that I think that other people could learn from. But right now, I don't think I do. But I think, you know, one day maybe I could and I
0: could come back here and do that. Yeah, maybe even training in, in, in Cuba with the boxing side. And, and I know a lot of the MMA gyms out here, they're always struggling to find boxing coaches. Yeah, I mean, Bangkok literally just got a boxing coach yeah. like a week ago. Yeah. It's obviously very easy to get a Muay Thai coach yeah. and your strength and conditioning coaches. But from what I've heard, uh, boxing coaches, it's not so simple. Yeah. Um, and I've asked that question, like even uh, John Hutchinson's been on the podcast a couple times and I've asked him, I said, like there's phenomenal boxing coaches in Ireland, in the UK why aren't they coming out here? There's job opportunities. And his answer is like, well, by the time they've reached a certain level, they probably have kids in a family. And it's yeah. very hard to bring that over here. Cause the cost of living with family and kids here is another level. Yeah. I mean, you have to send them to an international school. That's a million body year. Yeah. Um, if you have a wife out here, healthcare here is actually quite expensive. So, um, that, that boxing coach as, at an MMA gym could always be an option. The, in terms of the Cuban boxing, and just before we wrap it up, we're almost at an hour now. Um, has this conversation come up before? Why are Mexican boxers so elite? Why are Cuban boxers so elite? Do you think that it could be transferred from their elite levels of salsa dancing and that footwork?
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm not
0: <laughs> I mean, how many how many boxers I'd love to see like maybe like their family for sure when they're growing up they're watching salsa like so naturally they're able to like integrate that movement into the sport.
1: The Cuban boxers definitely do incorporate a lot of dancing like styles into their into their boxing like their footwork is very very um it's very very rhythmic in a way that it, it's not I mean all kind of footwork is ends up being rhythmic all kind of all kind of martial arts end up being some kind of form of dance really uh, in the end especially when you get to the high levels the the clearest example I know of uh is Lomachenko um he's like multiple uh world champion uh from Ukraine and his dad actually took him out um, of boxing, I think I can't remember what the ages were, but he took him out of uh, boxing from basically when he was. He started boxing from a young age, and then his dad actually took him out for about three or four years. I can't remember. Maybe it was only two. Um, story goes that his dad took him out and make him do, made him do ballet, just ballet for about two or three years, yes. and because it improved his footwork. And you look at Lomachenko now, and um, he's kind of he's 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 getting older now, but he just recently had a a, a, a really close fight with Haney who's one of the pound for pound uh, best boxers in the world and Haney just edged it but Lomachenko is one of the best boxers of all time in in my view and it's because his footwork was is so uh, well drilled and that was literally just from I think his dad basically making him do ballet so yeah in terms of footwork dancing 110% makes it better which is which I, don't, for, I don't think we're getting that in the UK. It's bad for me because I can't <laughs>
0: dance. <laughs> I'm, I'm shit at dancing, uh, so I unfortunately. I don't think any, you know Canadians, uh, U- people yeah, from the UK.
1: UK UK's not the UK has got literally zero rhythm, so that's, that's unfortunate for us.
0: All right, well, just before we ended up on a boxing-dancing note, um, I'm going to kick the camera right back to you. So maybe there are gyms out there looking for boxing coaches such as yourself maybe that's what this platform was today that's why you're here um if anyone is looking to get in touch with you you can kind of let them know um your, your instagram and how they could do that and even just one final word to the camera of people looking to move from the uk and any advice you would give them if trying to make that leap especially that first leap into thailand Well i meant to be looking at yeah that. right into the soul of that big that, that big lens there, yeah uh,
1: the big lens yeah um in terms of, what was the first thing I
0: said? I, I guess, like, first, like, where if people want to reach out to you and, and, and hit you up, hey, maybe they're looking for boxing coaches. And finally, oh. um, you know, any advice you'd give to people, you know, making looking just to make that leap. What, what encouragement would you give them? Just go to Thailand. Um, first of all, uh, if you want to get in
1: touch and get personally trained by me, some personal training, you can find me on Instagram. It's just Tom Usher, personal training. Um, or you can reach me on my personal Instagram, which is just Tom Osher, like the singer. Um, um, And in terms of coming out to Thailand, I don't know really, Uh, obviously it's an incredible privilege to to be able to come out here. But if if you can kind of do that, I I, I would definitely try and do that in a way that isn't just about partying, isn't just about holiday. And I feel like there's so many amazing gyms, there's so many elite kind of um, trainers out here that you could really improve yourself physically and mentally by by kind of coming out here and and uh, and doing some training. So yeah, I'd definitely try and get on that if you ever if you ever felt like it basically.
0: All right. Uh that wraps up another episode. Big shout out for Tom jumping on the podcast. I think he's probably got a training session right now. Yeah. Okay. So back <laughs> shout out to Bangkok Muay Thai and MMA. It's funny how we we just ran into each other the other day. Um At I Bang think Tao. Oh, wait, this this will be out. GSP's over at BankTel, but this will oh, yeah. be out for a couple weeks. Okay, yeah. that wraps up another episode. Leave comments, like, link, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. We're out.